Good morning, everybody. We've been sitting for a while, so I'm going to get you to stand up. I thought about asking them to play the song again and making you all do the actions. I was just out at camp speaking, so I learned all about action songs and doing stuff like that, but I'm not going to make you do that. I'm just going to make you stand up, stretch a little bit, so you can listen to me talk. This is really selfish on my part, because I don't like preaching to sleeping people. So that's really why I'm making you stand up. Okay, if you want to, you can sit down now. As was said, my name is Josh Rigby. I am the Dean of Men at PRBI. I have been there for a whopping one year. Yeah? Um, I attended PRBI back in 2004 to 2009. I even, I actually don't know if I ever took a class with Jason. I don't think I did. I, I, by the time I, he came along, he came in my fourth year and I had taken all the classes that he had taught already. So unfortunately, I never got to sit under, under Jason's teaching. But from there, I moved to Valley View. I was in Valley View for 12 years at the Alliance Church there. And now we've come full circle, and we're back at the school. So why don't we just pray, and then we'll dive into God's word this morning. Father, thank you. Thank you that you love us. Thank you for the amazing gifts that you've given us. Thank you for the church and what that means that we are part of it. I pray that you would speak this morning through me, that anything that is just of me would quickly be forgotten, but that your words would go forward to encourage us and to convict us where we need it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Very basic command. It captures a lot of commands. Jesus would even argue that thus says the law and the prophets. But when you think about this command, if you've ever engaged in any sort of real life, you know that this is not easy. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind is hard. And then love your neighbor as yourself. How many of you have a neighbor? Now, Jesus' definition of neighbor is pretty broad, that is easy to love. Right? We, we all have a few. They're just, they're just easy to love. Sometimes they're our, our, our friends. Our, we just love them. How do you have a neighbor that's not so easy to love? Mm-hmm. Yeah. A few of those out there, too. There was an old show that aired back in the 80s and ran until the 90s by the name of Family Matters. And I love it because it, it kind of captured two ideas with its name. The family matters. But in the family, there's matters that need to be dealt with. And that's really what we're going to look at this morning. We're going to look at this idea of how do we steward well what we've been entrusted when it comes to the church, when it comes to the family of God, when it comes to the people that God has placed in our life. How many of you come from any sort of farming or agricultural or any sort of cattle background, have been around that? Okay, a few of you. I'm not so much that way, so I'm going to modify this proverb a little bit. But there's a proverb that reads like this. In Proverbs 14.4, where there are no oxen, the manger is clean. But much revenue comes through the strength of an ox. Mark Gunger uses this about marriage, but I think it applies to any sort of relationship as well. Think about what the proverb's saying. Where no oxen are, the manger is clean. What's the easiest way to keep a stall clean? Don't put an animal in it. That's the easiest way to keep it clean. 
I think of this, I'm in the moral stage of life where we have babies in and out of our home on a regular basis. We foster and we do babies. And where no babies are, the diapers are clean. But much joy comes through a baby. Right? There's, we like to ooh and ah, but there's, there's these realities that come with babies as well. And when we think of relationships, I think sometimes we, we like to gloss that over. The family matters. We just kind of go, yeah, the church, the church is important, the church is great, the family of God. But here's the reality of that. The church is full of broken people. Every one of us in this room is broken. We have issues. So you can turn to your neighbor and in the nicest ways possible say, you know what, you're part of the problem. (laughs) Maybe don't. But this is a reality. If you engage in any sort of relationship with any level of depth for any length of time, eventually you're going to have to deal with the brokenness of people. Whether that's the brokenness of yourself or the person that you're working with. So the question sometimes is raised, why not just have clean stalls and clean diapers all the time and just not deal with it? Because if, if it's true that when you deal with people, you're going to get hurt eventually, why not just back out of any sort of relationships and just remain distant from everyone all the time? Because much revenue comes from the strength of the ox or much joy comes from the smile of the baby. Relationships are actually integral to who we are. The reality, is, though, is relationships can cause problems. A man by the name of Robert Orban said this, Who can ever forget Winston Churchill's immortal words? We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields. We shall fight in the streets. We shall fight in the hills. This sounds exactly like a family vacation. And while relationships can often cause issues, they're deeply rewarding. In fact, Genesis would teach us that they're necessary for us as humans. Genesis 2.18, then the Lord said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a suitable helper for him. This comes after God has looked over all creation and said, it is good, 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 it is not good that man should be alone. I will make a suitable helper for him. The reality is, is that we need each other. We need relationships. We long for deep and satisfying relationships. And this is true no matter who you are, no matter how introverted or extroverted you are. Some of you are like, well, I'm an introvert. I don't really need relationships. I'm like, I would argue that you still want one or two. You don't want a thousand, but you still need a few people who are there for you. We all need each other. We are designed to function in community. We are designed to need one another. But here's the thing. Genesis chapter 3 comes along and it introduces the fall. The reality of brokenness. That we as humans have sin. We mess up. And while we still long for deep and meaningful relationships, sin enters the picture and causes pain. And relationships are one of the primary sources of pain in a lot of our lives. I think for a lot of people, not necessarily everyone, but you've probably experienced more pain from relationships than you've experienced physical pain at times in your life. Most of us have been wounded in relationships deeper than we've been wounded physically. 
But here's the thing. Wounds that come from broken relationships need to be healed in healthy relationships. So we have this reality and there's this tension that's brought up for us. We long for deep and meaningful relationships, but relationships are often the cause of our pain. And this is where the gospel enters the picture. Because without the gospel, this is a really sad state. We long for meaningful relationships. Relationships cause us pain. How do you navigate that? The gospel of Jesus Christ comes in and says, because of your sin and my sin and the brokenness in our world, Jesus entered in to bring hope. He did this by dying on the cross, by rising from the dead, paying the full penalty for our sins, for my sins, for your sins. And if we accept this and repent, we are saved. And he shows us, he says, look, here's the way that leads to life, to joy, to peace. Here's the right way that won't kill you. And he ushered into the beginning of his kingdom, a place where ultimately the suffering of now will one day be all but forgotten. Romans 8.18 is probably my favorite Bible verse. It says that the suffering of this present time isn't worth being compared to the glory that shall be revealed to us. It acknowledges the suffering, but acknowledges that there's a hope beyond that. And in this institution of the kingdom that Jesus set up, he, called, he instituted another thing, and we call it the church. Now, there's a lot of different ways of looking at the church. There's the little C church, like Claremont Community Church, or Grand Prairie Alliance Church, or West Point, or various little C churches. And then there's the big C church. Everyone who has accepted the gospel of Jesus Christ and the work that he has done in them. Now, what gets confusing sometimes is that there are those who go to little C churches who aren't part of the big C church. And there are those who are part of the big C churches that aren't necessarily too involved in little C churches. And the big C church, though, is part of Christ's design, which is a challenge for us when we look at relationships. Because relationships can hurt us, relationships can be scary, we need relationships, and Jesus said, I've designed you to function in the relationship of the church. But here's the thing. The church, Big C, is more than just a building or an institution. Essentially, one of the terms that gets used for it is a family. Hence the term family of God. We listened to that song this morning by the Newsboys. We're part of the family of God. And throughout the New Testament, you see writers talk about brothers and sisters in the Lord. Paul speaks of being a spiritual father. And we get this idea of a family. How many of you have ever been in a family that had no problems? But you're church people. Don't Don't you, like, make sure that we get to church on time so we can learn about the love of Jesus with your children? That doesn't, that doesn't happen, right? Like, we're, we're, we're church people. We're supposed to not have problems. Everything's supposed to be good. No, families are full of people. And people have issues. I've said it many times to my church in Valley View, and I'll say it to you guys. If you come here long enough, and I don't even attend here, but I'm just going to take a wild stab at this, that if you come here long enough, someone's going to hurt your feelings, and it might be on purpose, and it might be by accident. If you come here long enough, you're going to hurt someone else. And it might be on purpose, and it might be by accident. So how do we reconcile this? Forgiveness. It's first and foremost how we reconcile it. This is why it's so important that we forgive. 
And that's an entire sermon all by itself. Or an entire volume of sermons. Of how do we forgive well. But forgiveness is fundamental to it. But I also think we need to look at the fact that we were created and designed for community. This is God's plan. He said, I want you involved in people's lives. I want you to be in relationship. The church, while it can and it will hurt you, and it can and hurt others, in no way invalidates its value. And what, by the grace of God and the power of the gospel, it can be and will be in your life. Think of it a different way. How many of you have never been hurt by the person you care the most about? How many of you know that without that person, you're somewhat lost? Right? Just because we've been hurt by someone doesn't invalidate our need for them or the value of that relationship. In fact, I would argue that when we go through those turbulent times and we work through them, relationships come through stronger. There are people in my life that I've never had conflict with. I don't have a very deep relationship with them. Typically, when I go to a restaurant and the server comes, I don't have any conflict with them. I also have no relationship with them. And this is a reality of life, that when we go through life and we get deeper in relationships, we have to work through conflict. In fact, those who are closest to us and we've worked through we're the closest with. And this is what the church is designed to be, a family. Where we're meant to be a rep, small representative of Christ and showing the, what Jesus has done to the world and the forgiveness and the unity that he brought. And unfortunately, this is different than sometimes how we view church. I grew up in a pastor's home. I've seen some might say the dark side of the church. I've seen the pain. So if you're sitting here this morning and you're, you're thinking to yourself, yeah, but you don't know what the church has done to me or what relationships have done to me. I'm going to say two things. One, you're right. I don't. No one can fully understand what someone else has walked through. Two, I have a story too. And I've also been hurt by the church. And I'm going to argue that when Jesus speaks, he does know your story. And he knows my story. And his call is the same. One of the things that really challenged me, I was actually at Bible school at the time when this happened, but I was sitting in chapel, and the speaker, I don't remember who the speaker was, I don't remember anything about him except for this little piece that he talked about, is he said, what do you think would happen if someone walked up to me, and I'm going to use my name, and he, he said, and he said, Josh, you're amazing. You're so cool. You're so great. You're so funny. You're so witty. You've got all this stuff going for you. But Megan, let me tell you about your wife for a moment. She's a backbiter. She's annoying. She hurts people. She's grumpy. She's a hypocrite. She's, and just goes on this tirade about my wife. What do you think that's going to do to my relationship with you, if that was you? I'm going to say that it's going to hurt it. And yet, how often do we do this to Christ and his church and his bride? This challenged me. I think we would speak differently and approach differently the church if we realized this is something that is precious to Jesus. And it's precious to the Father. And it's much bigger than us. 
And it's really important to think this way because if we lose sight of this, we get focused simply on what does the church bring to me? What does the church get out of it for me? Instead of what has Jesus called me to do in this? You see, God has entrusted us with this reality of the church. He says he's given us gifts for the building up of ourselves in love. And as I think about this and I'm challenged with this, we come back to our first sort of tension point. Relationships, we were created for them. Relationships can cause pain. How do we merge these pieces together? And I believe the answer to that is not by looking, what do relationships give to me? It's by looking to, what has Jesus called me to do? How many of you could say in a good conscience that you've always done nothing that would purposely cause Christ's pain in your life? Right? You've never grieved the Father. And yet that was never his goal when he came and died on the cross for us. When Jesus came for us, his thought was not, what will these people give to me? And it's convicting. And it's challenging. Everything you've been given, you've been given to by God. And one of the things that he's entrusted to you is people. The church that you're part of. The family that you're in. And as we come around, the application for this sermon is really about stewardship. Now, stewardship is usually one of those ones when the pastor says he's going to talk about stewardship, he usually means your wallet. Which, don't get me wrong, there's lots of biblical stuff. We could talk about that if you guys want to. It's important. But what I want to challenge you with is stewarding the people, the church, that God has put you a part of. There's several ways to do this. Some of us, we're guilty of going, when we say steward people, we're like, oh yeah, I'll steward everybody. And we steward nobody. Some of us are like, I don't want to steward anybody. And we steward nobody. So what I want you to do is I want you to do a little exercise. You can write it down if you're a notes type taker. I'm not a notes taker. If I take notes, I end up forgetting everything that's being said. So some of you can do this in your mind. Some of you want to write this down, do this. I want you to think of who are the people in your life specifically that God has called you to steward. If you were designed for relationships, if this is true, if God has made you for this, who are these people? So some of the people that God has called you to are the people that you love. They're sort of the easy ones to go to. This is maybe your spouse or your kids or your grandkids. They're people that you love, you care about, your close friends. You know what? I believe that God has called you to steward them. What does that look like? How do you encourage them to love Jesus more each day. But then there's another circle of people that I believe that God has placed in your life. These are the people with that you rub shoulders with for no real choice of your own. Coworkers. Maybe the people that come to the same church as you, but you don't necessarily get along with them the same way. Maybe the consistent person at the mail that you always talk to every time you go in? Who are those people that God has placed in your life that you, for whatever reason, can't get rid of? Not necessarily that you want to, but you might want to. But for whatever reason, God says, these people are in your life. How do you steward them well? 
And then finally, who are the people that God's calling you to? Maybe God's calling you to people on the other side of the world. And as you sit here and you go, I've been called to steward people. I've been called to create relationships. I've been designed to be in relationships. And those people are always talked about this morning are on the other side of the world. And I need to go. I can't stay here comfortable in the relationships I have. Maybe that person is a friend that just for whatever reason, whenever this word, this scary word, like evangelism comes up, this person always pops into your mind. Shouldn't be a scary word, but it sometimes is. Maybe it's just someone that, for whatever reason, right now, you just can't get out of your mind. And there's God saying, I want you to steward them well. You see, this reality of being designed for relationships is not something that we can avoid in Scripture. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Don't worry about your neighbor. That's not Jesus' command. And love your neighbor as yourself. And like I said, I think there's a couple ditches we can fall into when we look at this. Is Sometimes we go, oh, I'm going to love absolutely everybody. And that's good. We should. But in doing that, we actually never take time for anybody. It's this mass shotgun approach where we never actually engage in people's lives. We just sort of skirt around the surface and we're nice to everybody. But we don't steward anybody well. The other side of the coin is we sequester ourselves and we stick close to our own self and we go, no, 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 you're not getting in here. It's dangerous to let people in here. So my challenge for you this morning is there's three people or three groups that I believe we need to steward well. First of which are the people we love. Those are the no-brainers. Second of are the people that God has placed in our life that we can't get away from even if we wanted to. Sometimes they sit across the church pew from you. Sometimes they go to work with you. And then finally, the people that God has called you to. It's just God has laid upon your heart. You see, the challenge of this command that Jesus gives us, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself, is that Jesus says it's the most important. So I would argue that if you take out the most important command that Jesus gives us, you kind of lose what Jesus was calling us to do, which means you can't have Christianity without other people. You can't have Christianity without the call to bring other people into the family. You can't have it without people. We are called to be part of the family of God, and as such, there are roles and privileges and responsibilities that come with this. And this is a good thing. So these people that God has placed in your life, are you stewarding them well? And what does that look like to do? For some of us, maybe those stewarding well is a challenge. It's a call to say, you know what, I need to have a conversation about the gospel with this person. It's an evangelistic call. For some of us, this one's really hard in our Canadian culture. Maybe it's a rebuke. Or we need to enter into someone's life and be like, hey, notice some things. I want to walk with you. I think some things need to change. 
honestly, probably for a lot of us, it's an encouragement where we need to step into someone's life and say, keep on keeping on. You're doing great. I want to help you. For some of us, maybe it's a more tangible thing where it's like, you know what? I know this person's going through this. I have ability to help. And I'm going to. I'm going to step in. For some of us, it might be as easy as a cup of coffee. Just having them over, going out and saying, hey, I'm here for you. I want to walk with you. For some of us, maybe it's a call to ask for forgiveness. To approach someone and say, hey, I messed up. Will you forgive me? For some of you, maybe it's what Paul calls us to, to make ourselves right with someone else where we know there's tension, we know there's problems. But we're okay with just keeping on with that. Just put that in the background. And the Spirit this morning is saying, no, 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 no. That needs to be dealt with within the body. Even if it hurts. See, I would argue that God knew what he was doing when he set up the church. That God knew what he was doing when he rated us for relationships. And are we willing to say, Jesus, use me for your church, for the outreach of your church, for the reaching of people with your church, for the showing of love that your church does? Again, come back to you, it's a It's a Sunday school command. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. It sounds so easy. Most of us who have walked a few days know the challenge of this verse. But I would argue, and I don't think it's my point, I believe it's biblical, that when Jesus calls us to do something, He usually has a reason. And he's usually right. Let's pray. Father, I pray for each and every person in this room. Father, you've given us an amazing gift in relationships and in the church specifically. But God, we're broken. We're longing for the day when all wrongs will be made right. And Jesus, it's easy to gain the mindset of I'll do what works for me. God, I'm guilty of it at times more often than I'd probably care to admit. Instead of saying, Lord, help me to steward well what you have entrusted to me to steward. Jesus, each one of us in this room has a different sphere of influence of people that need to hear the gospel, be encouraged in the gospel, be challenged by the gospel. I pray that you would help each one of us to steward well the people you've entrusted to us. I believe that when you call us to do something, that you're really smart. 
And even sometimes when it's hard, it's worth it. Jesus, thank you that when you look at us, you didn't ask the question, is it going to be easy before you took up the cross? You didn't ask the question, what's in it for me? You didn't ask the question, did they deserve it? You said, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus, encourage us in this. God, for some, this might be a very challenging push. For others, I pray that they would see it as an encouragement. Because that's what they've been doing. And it's hard sometimes. Encourage them in the call that this is your work in their life. That together, the name of Jesus would be glorified in your church. Whether we attend this small C church or not. That Jesus would be glorified and Jesus' name would be praised in our lives for your glory. In the name of Jesus we pray.